Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Colossians, and we're going to look at chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 13. It says this, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet. That's an old English word for the word able. He's made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse uh, 13 says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness, and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now I want you to notice verse 13 in the Amplified. It uses a different word, transferred rather than translated. It says in the Amplified, of course he's drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, in the natural realm, you know, if a person has a job and their company says, well, we're going to transfer you. Sometimes these transfers are to another state, but many times these transfers are to another country. And so when a person moves to another country, then they have to adapt themselves to the country in which they are going to. Well, likewise, how many of you know that we are citizens of the kingdom of God? And in the kingdom of God, there is a certain culture. There is a certain way of living. There is a certain way to conduct ourselves in the kingdom of God. Now that we've been drawn into the kingdom and transferred into the kingdom, we need to adapt ourselves to kingdom culture or kingdom lifestyle or kingdom way of thinking. Amen. And so we're going to look at some things in this brand new series called Kingdom Culture. Some things that we need to change, some things that we need to adapt ourselves to now that we are in and out of darkness and in the kingdom of God. And of course, this begins by the renewing of our mind. It begins by altering the way that we think to line up with God's word and kingdom culture. And of course, a very, very familiar scripture to many of you is Romans, the 12th chapter and the second verse where it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. The mere fact that he tells us to be conformed tells me that there is a danger we will be conformed if we, per- if we don't purpose in our heart not to be conformed. So be not conformed to this world, but be changed by the renewing of your mind. That involves changing the way that you think. That involves being transformed. And as we are being transformed, that will give you the ability not to be conformed to this world. The NLT says it this way, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. I like how Phillips put that, put this. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold you from within. I want you to pay close attention to let God, allow God, give God permission to transform you. Let the word of God change the way you think. 
If you do not, he will not. Now I want you to notice uh, we got a PowerPoint. I love this little phrase here. And let's pull it up there. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and what will happen. You'll be changed where? You'll be changed from the inside and it'll work its way to the outside. When you've got the Word of God on the inside, the results and fruits of abiding in the Word will show up on the outside. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Now, it's easy to do. Because how many of you know the culture in the world is lopsided? The culture in this world is not based on the Word of God. It's based on a worldly mindset. And we know who the small g, we know who the God of this world is, right? So if we allow ourselves to become so well adjusted to the culture which is around us, we are really adjusting to Satan's plan and Satan's will in the earth. And so don't do it. Don't allow yourself to fit into this world without even thinking. Instead, we're going to fix our attention on God. Amen? Amen. And we're going to be changed from the inside out. Now, the word renew or the word renew means to renovate. It means to restore. Now, when we purchased this building back in 2003, this was a movie theater. And it was a six-screen movie theater. And I believe that this movie theater uh, opened up in the 70s. And so we purchased this movie theater, this property. But how many of you know we couldn't just move in? Because there were some things that need to be restored. There were some things that need to be ripped out. There were some chairs that need to be removed. There's some walls that needed to come down. There were some classrooms that needed to be built. There were some things that need to be demolished. Now, when you come into the kingdom of God, the word of God will rip out and will demolish and remove things from our past thinking and change the way that we think so that we are able to adapt to the kingdom of God that's on the inside of us. So renovating the mind is about replacing the message of the world with the message of the truth. And we know what the truth will do. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. I said, we know what the truth will do. The truth will replace the lies. But the truth will also make you free. The truth will set you free. And as you stand fast in the truth and in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, the truth will keep you free. I said the truth will keep you free. It'll keep you off of drugs. It'll keep you off of alcohol. It'll keep you out of adultery. It'll keep you from the spirit of this age and the spirit of this world. Can anyone testify that the truth has set you free? Oh, thank you, Lord. And whom the Son has set free 
is free indeed. Woo! Glory to God. Now we get the word uh, transformed from the Greek word metamorpho. That means to go and undergo a complete change. It's like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. And Jesus modeled transfiguration and transformation right before his disciples' eyes. Notice with me in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. It says, After six days Jesus took with them Peter and James and John and led them into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth could white them. Would you say that this is a glorious transformation? Now, we don't have the new Amplified Version. We have the old Amplified Version. So let me just quote to you what the new uh, of the old Amplified says. It says, And he was transfigured, changed in form before them, and he began to shine brightly with divine and regal glory. Oh, glory to God. And I firmly believe that it is the will of God for all of His sons to be shining. I believe it's the will of God for His sons and daughters in this day and in this hour to shine brightly. In other words, what's on the inside of us showing up on the outside. It's like the book of Isaiah says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come. Now this begins... By the renewing of our minds. In 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and in the 18th verse, notice with me, talking about shining brightly. It says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are continually being transfigured. We're continually being transfigured. Into his very own image, I love this, in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is that spirit. So I want you to notice, beholding as in a mirror the word of God, having daily intake of God's word, reading God's word. Meditating on God's word will change you. It will transfigure you. And have you noticed along your journey with God and your life as a Christian, you just keep growing and you keep shining and you keep realizing more. Every day you're becoming more like Jesus. And you know where we're going? We're going from one degree of glory to the next. We are the body of Christ, and we are those that shine brightly in a dark world. You see, it's the entrance of His Word that gives light. Can you remember a day when the lights came on in your heart? When you saw a truth that you had never heard of before, and that you had never seen before, and all of a sudden, the lights came on. That happened to me way back in the 70s. Many of you know my testimony. I was a drug addict and went through treatment in 1974. Came to Christ in 1975. 
But oh, I'm telling you, when I got a hold of the Word of God, I saw things that I'd never seen before. I felt so poorly about myself. My self-image was shot. But when I got into the Word of God, I had a rebirth of self-esteem. I had a rebirth that came from the new birth. And one of the greatest insights and revelations I got as a young Christian was the reality of righteousness. Why? Because I grew up in a setting where it was condemnation. I grew up in a setting where there was guilt. I grew up in a setting where God's going to get you for that. And you know what that does? That causes you to draw away from God rather than to draw near to Him. But oh, thank God there came a day where I opened the perfect law of liberty and I saw that He was made sin for Mark Thomas who knew no sin. That Mark Thomas might be made the righteousness of God in him. And the light came into my heart and it brightened up my soul and it freed me from guilt and freed me from condemnation. And God is no respecter of persons. What He's done for me, He will do for you. I'm telling you, folks, it's the entrance of His Word that gives light. The enemy does not want the eyes of your understanding to see what belongs to you in Christ. But oh, thank God, if you'll diligently read the Word and diligently meditate in the Word of God, this Word will cause the lights to come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, notice this verse with me. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more now in my absence. Notice it says, to do what? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to point out that it does not say work for your salvation. It says, work out your salvation. Now, all of us were born with muscles, right? But these muscles don't develop by not doing anything with them. We are born with muscles. Now, what we're supposed to do with our muscles is work them out. As you can see, I got a lot of work left to do. See, you didn't work for your salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now that you are born again, now that you're a child of God, what this is saying is work out what's on the inside of you. You are saved, but salvation is an all-inclusive word. So what that means is work out your salvation by attending to. Work out your salvation by cultivating it. By bringing it into full effect. The Amplified Version says, actively pursue spiritual maturity. What I'm encouraging you this morning in is this. Is give your inner man a workout. So the million dollar question this morning in many of your minds, okay, I know I'm supposed to get my mind renewed. I know that I'm supposed to be transformed. 
I know that I'm not supposed to be conformed, so how then do I renew my mind? How do I do it? Number one, fill your heart and mind with God's Word. Daily intake. Look at Colossians, the third chapter in the 16th verse. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly or copiously or abundantly. One translation says, let the word dwell in you. Another says, let the word of Christ fill your life richly. Let it fill your life richly. Now, the easiest way that I know how to let God's word live in me big and live in me fully and richly is by doing what God told Joshua to do after Moses had passed away. How many of you know that Moses was dead? And now Joshua was supposed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Now that's a big job, right? And so God spoke to Joshua and he told him repeatedly, I want you to be strong three times. Be strong, be strong, be strong. And then he gives him a very, very pointed way that Joshua can be strong and take on this leadership role. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, here's what the Lord spoke to Joshua. And I firmly believe this is what he's speaking to us today. How many of you have got some promises to attain? How many of you have got promised land, praise God, to possess? How many of you know that each and every one of you are in a leadership role in some capacity, some way or form in your life? Now this verse in Joshua 1.8 is a major key. It says here, this book of the law, or in our case, the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night goes on to say that you may be observed to do according to all that is written therein for then you will make your way prosperous and what will happen in other words you will have good success if you follow the instructions if you'll take time to meditate in his word if you'll take time to think about it to ponder it to talk it to speak it That word meditation, in one translation, I believe it's Rotterham's, he says, thou shalt talk to thyself. How many of you know yourself needs some good talking to sometime? Thou shalt talk to thyself. Thou shalt mutter. Thou shalt utter. Thou shalt ponder. Thou shalt think deeply. You shall meditate in the word of the Lord day and night. Day and night. Night and day. Last night, I went to sleep with one scripture on my mind. And I let it roll over and over and over again in my mind and in my heart and in my thoughts. And you can do the same thing. Find a scripture that applies to your current situation. Has anybody here got any current situations? Well, did you know for every current situation, there is an exceeding great and precious promise? That by that promise, you might escape the corruption that you're going through. So I went to bed last night just thinking about Galatians, the third chapter, and the 13th verse. 
Now, what that says is Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And so I took that, and then I thought, well, you know, according to Deuteronomy chapter 28, what I'm going through right now is under the curse. But, oh, thank God, Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Therefore, I'm redeemed from that specific thing that has come against my life. And so I just let that dwell in me richly all night long, all night long. And when I woke up today, praise God, you know what came out of my mouth? Thank you, Father. I've been redeemed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I don't have to put up with the curse. Jesus was cursed so that I might be blessed. Jesus was cursed so that you might be blessed. And you can do the same thing. If it's a financial need, for example... Take a scripture. You don't have to take a hundred scriptures, but just take one scripture and think about it. Talk it. Speak it. Talk to yourself. If it's a financial need, anybody ever had a financial need in their life? A better question is, anybody not had a financial need in their life? Well, there's scriptures that cover financial needs. And one, one scripture we know well is Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. Can anyone quote Philippians 4.19? What does it say? It says, But my God shall supply half of your need. No, he didn't say half of your need, but he said all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The enemy likes to bombard Christian souls with the thought of lack. With the thought of not having enough. Well, you may not have enough, but he has more than enough. He has more than more than enough because he is, in fact, El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Now, what we got from the world is you'll never have enough. What we got from oftentimes many of us growing up, We've kind of just kind of got this idea that we're supposed to go from paycheck to paycheck. We're just supposed to scratch by and eat by a living. But that's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God for us. God is our supplier. He is our abundant compensation. So what we need to do then is renew our minds according to the, what the Word of God says in all these areas of our lives. Say the number one. I will fill my heart and I will fill my mind with God's Word. James tells us to welcome the Word which implanted and rooted in your heart contains the power to save your soul. Now how many of you know your soul is made up of your mind and your will and your emotions? My soul, because of drugs, was wrecked. But because of Jesus, it's now whole. Now, why is that? Because I welcomed the Word. It got implanted in my heart. It started coming out of my mouth. It started changing the way that I thought about myself and the way that I perceived the world around me. And it saved and restored and renewed my soul. And now I can boldly say, as you can, I have the mind of Christ. 
I don't have an unsound mind anymore. I've got a sound mind. It's able to save your soul. And so through meditation, the Word of God becomes engrafted in you and is able to save or restore your mind, your will, and your emotions. I'm telling you what, as you renew your mind, the Bible will become a different book. As you spend time in it, you'll go just from receiving information and you'll get to a place of revelation. Revelation knowledge. Where the lights of God's word have gone on in your spirit. Jeremiah exhorted us. He said this, thy words were found. And what did I do? I ate them. And thy words were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. You see, one word for the word meditate is to chew. Just like a cow does. A cow chews the cud. If you've ever driven by a bunch of cows in, in, a, in, a, in a pasture, you'll see men them just laying around chewing the cud. And they chew the cud eight hours a day. Why? Because they have to digest it. And one way that they digest it is they have to bring it up again and swallow it again and chew it and bring it up again and swallow it again. Well, how many of you know God's Word is meant for us to feed on, to chew on it, to meditate on it, to bring it up out of our heart and speak it? Amen. God's Word is found and we can eat them and it will cause great rejoicing in our heart. How many of you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? And it's got to be consumed and it's got to be digested for faith to come. And when faith comes, the Word gets in your eyes, your ears, your mouth, and then into your entire body. So I encourage you to work out your salvation by meditating in the Word of God. You know, another way we can work out our salvation, sometimes we just got to praise it out. Somebody says, well, I have a praise in my heart. Well, open your mouth. There's other times we just need to dance it out. We just need to shout it out. We just need to declare it out. Number one, you renew your mind by filling your heart and mind with the word of God. Number two, you must guard your mind. See, filling our mind has to do with what we take in. Guarding our mind has to do with what we keep out. Uh, what we keep out. And of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 shows us very clearly. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I looked up that word pulling down and it means demolition. It means the demolishing of strongholds. Strongholds are thought patterns and belief systems the enemy has programmed us with. And here's what verse 5 says for us to do. Would you read it with me, please? Ready, read. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
Now we could say it this way, strongholds come from the pit of hell. Realize that your source of opposition is not God. God is not against you. He's for you. You know, that's quite a revelation for people to understand. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Amen? He cares for us. He loves us. And every good gift from the Father of lights comes down from heaven. So that which is good that comes to your mind is God. That which is bad comes from beneath. That comes from the evil one. And it's always based on deceptions and it's always based on lies. I'm telling you what, the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. As a matter of fact, there is no truth in him. And if you will get the truth in you, you will recognize the lies that are coming from another source. And you will not be deceived. If he cannot deceive you, he cannot harm you. So it behooves us to become extremely familiar with the promises of God. Extremely familiar with the epistles. Extremely familiar of who you are in Christ. Find out who you are in Him. Let the word of truth dwell in you richly. How many of you know you can go to the Bible and you can pull down strongholds out of your mind? So realize, number one, that your source of opposition does not come from God. Your source of opposition comes from the devil. That's the first R. And then secondly, replace those lies with the truth. Replace those lies with the truth. His word is truth. Jesus said it was. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And he is the truth. So as we become so familiar with the word of truth... You recognize those lies when they come. I just want to give you an example of classic lies. One, well, you'll just never, ever amount to much. That's a lie. The truth is this. It's found in Ephesians 2.10 where it says, you're his workmanship. You're his work of art. You're his poem. And God don't make junk. When you recreated in Christ Jesus, you became poetry and a poem in the mind of God. You are his workmanship. Say it with me. I am the very workmanship of God. You're his workmanship. So don't buy the lie, you'll never amount to much. I heard that as a little kid. You'll never amount to much. You'll never make it. You'll probably be dead before you're 21 years old. I heard that. Not from my parents, but I heard it from somebody else. 
You'll never make it. Aren't you glad that Jesus made it for all of us? He made it for all of us. Praise God. So, replace the lie with the truth of God's word. I am. Say with me, I am. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now, here's another classic lie. Well, you come from a poor family. Papa was poor. Great-grandfather was poor. We just poor folks. We just poor. We eat poor boys. And we poor. Well, I got a word for you. God ain't poor no more. Listen to this statement that Gloria Copeland made. Here's the truth. Say it with me. Here's the truth. She says, at that moment, when I was born again, I was born into the richest family ever known. I was born into the royal family that owns and operates the universe. And I received an inheritance so vast, (laughs) it'll take me all of eternity to fully comprehend it. You were born as a king in the kingdom of God. With regal authority and regal royalty. God wasn't joking when he said, you are my heirs. He wasn't joking when he said, you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. How many of you know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? The silver and the gold are his. I ask you a question today, who did he make the silver and the gold for? Did he make it for the cartel? Did he make it for pimps? Who did he make the silver and the gold for? Did he just make it for Wall Street? Did he just make it for people that have degrees from Harvard and all those Ivy League schools? No, thank God. We've been to the university of the word of faith. We've been to the university of the Holy Ghost. We've been to the school of prayer. We've been to the school of renewing our minds by the word of God. God didn't make those things for them. He made them for his sons. He made them for his daughters. How many of you believe it? I believe it. I believe it firmly in my heart. I believe I'm looking at a congregation full of people that will lay hold of all that Christ has laid hold of them for them. You know, as far as I'm concerned, we should not leave anything on the table. The table of God is full. And let us not leave anything on the table. Let's not buy the lie that we'll we'll never have enough because our God is more than enough. Here's another big lie. Well, I can't do what other people can do because of my past. Because of my past. Well, here's the truth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 
2 Corinthians 5.17, what does it say? It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know what I see there when he says old things are passed away? I see that my past has passed away. So renew your mind with that truth. Stop thinking and saying, I just can't make it. Start declaring, I'm brand new. Matter of fact, let's say that together. I'm brand new. My whole life is new. My past is no longer going to cause me to live the low life. Jesus has brought me into the high life. Your past. Point at yourself and say, my past has passed. Hallelujah. So away with the lie. Away with the lies. Pull them down. This lie that I can't do what other people can do. No, you can in your own strength. But in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Here's a, 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 another lie. And this is a big one. Well, you know, you're certainly not going to make it very long. Because you know, in your family ran heart disease. In your family, there ran cancer. In your family, hereditarily, the odds are that you're not going to make it. Well, thank God we don't have to live by DNA or hereditary stuff. Why? Because Christ's work on Calvary trumps the devil's work in Adam. What he has done for us and done for you is a forever settled truth. Well, you'll not make it. You'll just not make it. You're just not going to make it. Well, here's the truth. Are you ready for the truth? Psalm 91.16. Psalm 91.16. Can anyone tell me what Psalm 91.16 says? Well, I guess we better read it. With long life will I satisfy him. Now say it like this with me. With long life, he will satisfy me. And he will show me his salvation. He will show me his deliverance. He will show me his preservation. He will show me his strength. He will show me his health. He will show me his prosperity. I choose life. I choose to think about, to talk about the life of God that's on the inside of me. I will live long. And I will live strong. Oh, we better say that again. I will live long and I will live strong. Come on, Unamas. I will live long and I will live strong. Now, now, now don't wait 
Don't wait until you're my age to start confessing that. Start confessing that right now. If you're in your 20s, if you're in here in your teens, start saying it now. Yeah, but I've got a a lot of, of life ahead of me. Well, build a solid foundation for a healthy life. Build a a strong foundation for a strong life. Don't wait now. Don't wait until the severe test comes. Siddharth declaring, with long life, I will live. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you're in a severe test right now, by all means, get your faith moving. Get your mouth moving. Believe it and say it and declare it. But the best thing you can do is, right. I mean, while you are strong, while you are healthy, amen, say it now and say it over and over again. Oh, come on, somebody say it again. With long life, I will live. I will live long and I will live strong. We're not going to let the enemy take us out. What do you say? We're not going to let him take us out before the trumpet sounds or until we are finished with all that he's called us to do. Amen. So number one, fill your mind and heart with the word of God. Number two, guard your mind by replacing the lies with the truth. And then number three, this is an interesting one, frame your mind. Frame your mind. We're not only to fill our minds and guard them, but we are to frame them as well. Now, what do I mean by that? What that means is this, is we're to cultivate a biblical outlook through which we view and interpret the world. The intake of God's Word reframes our outlook and gives us a foundation to view the world through the lens of God's Word. In other words, viewing all these things that are out there, viewing all these things from His perspective, what does God's Word say about human relationships? What does God's Word say about sexuality? What does God's Word say about abortion? What does God's Word say about transgenderism? What does the Word say? We know what the world says, and we're not mad at the world. We love the world. Why? Because God loves the world. So we're not putting people down who are in a web of the spirit of this world but what we need to do is we need to view what's happening in our culture through kingdom culture adaptation and the only way that we're going to be able to see that and do that is what does the word say what does the bible say and you know what that'll do that won't make you a republican and that won't make you a democrat that won't make you a trumper or a biden That will make you a man or woman of God that has a Word of God mindset that will approach this world through the lens of God's Word. 
And if we're going to approach all those things from the lens of God's Word, it will direct us in the way that we should go. No question about it. Are you this? Are you that? No, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of God. I'm a king's kid with a king's mindset. And I know what the Word of God says. I have no doubt what the Word of the Lord says. Hallelujah. Let us adapt ourselves to kingdom culture by thinking the way that He thinks. And if you will do that... Now, here's what will happen, folks. You'll have a peace... That passes all understanding. You'll have a peace in your life. And you won't walk around pointing your finger angry at everybody. You won't waste your time arguing about this and arguing about that. And so and so said this and so and so said that. I'm not so interested in what so and so says. I'm interested in what thus saith the Lord says. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Stand up, everybody. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift up your hands and lift up your voice. Father, we thank you for what we've heard today. We are grateful. And we are thankful, Lord God, for the renewal of our mind and what you have placed on the inside of us. Thank you, Lord, that we're working out our own salvation. Amen. With great fear and great trembling. Praise the Lord. Honey, come on up and pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Put your hand over your heart and say it with me. I purpose in my heart to let the word of the Lord dwell in me richly. I will meditate on God's word. I will guard my heart and guard my mind with the word of God for I have weapons and my weapons are not carnal but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds I purpose in my heart today to frame my mind and to view this world through the lens of God's word thank you Lord that your truth, that your truth is making me free making me and free. keeping me free keeping me for free. the glory of God. For the glory Amen. of God. Amen. Hallelujah. There's people here that, you know, this has just been such a powerful message, but your mind is just racing, racing, racing all the time. And that's why the Bible talks about over in Hebrews chapter 12 to look away from everything else. That would distract and do what? Looking on to Jesus. Changing your focus. And this scripture came up as you were exhorting right there at the end about all the political stuff. This is in Psalms 46.10. It says, out of that message, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above politics, above everything. So I just sense to accept exhort all of us this week. Stop looking at the wrong thing. Take a step back. Step out 
of the traffic, Amen. the noise that's on the media, social media and the news and all of that. Stop looking at all of that and take a long, loving look at Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We look unto you. You are the author. You are the finisher of our faith. That's and right. we purpose to look away from things that would distract. And the last thing that <laughs> the enemy would like to do is condemn you because past experiences. Sometimes we bring in baggage from the world, things that we have done in the world that we didn't know. We didn't yeah. know any better. God wants you to know that his hand is upon you. That he loves you. So you're not to leave this place with your head down all guilty and condemned. No. But you just say, thank God it's a new day. It's a new day. I'm experiencing a new life. For he is the glory and the lifter up of my head. I could tell you some things about my past that I'm not going to do. But I had to settle it a long time ago. It's history. It's over with. It's done with. And now instead of looking back at my history, I'm looking unto Jesus and his story. His story is much greater than your history. We sang about the blood, did we not? Thank you, Jesus. We sang about redemption, did we not? You're a child of God. You're redeemed. You're a new creation. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is a new day and it is a new season. Amen. Praise the Lord.